Welcome back. This is the Knicks Wall Podcast. I'm Mike Cortez. Joining me tonight, Kyle Maggio, Eli Cohen. So we just came off a thrashing by the New York Knicks. After back-to-back games of low-scoring affairs, the Knicks exploded for 131 points and went over the Washington Wizards. Julius Randle, just pure masterclass, 37 points through three quarters, 7 of 10 from deep, throwing some six rebounds. R.J. Barrett. 21 points, five dimes, five rebounds, two blocks, including an emphatic one over Russell Westbrook. Mitchell Robinson was great. 16 points, 12 boards, three blocks. It was just good all around. It was a feel-good win. Knicks got their 22nd win of the season. That put them already over their last season's total of 21 wins in 66 games. So Tom Thibodeau continues to impress. Kyle, that was a lot to like, but anything that stuck out for you in particular? No, just Julius reigning from three, uh, first and foremost, is just the funnest part of this season. Um, we knew all the inside scoring and stuff that he could do. Um, that little patented sweeping fadeaway that he does in the paint now, stuff like that. Um, you know, when he eats on those little spinning back fades on the block. Uh, but but now seeing him just kind of splash these threes, uh, you know, one of them was a pull-up three, which was, I mean, a, a amazing, mellow-esque, uh, you know, having a forward go and pull up like that was really nice. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he was just killing it tonight, really, really on fire, um, forcing it a little bit uh, towards the end of, like, the <laughs> third there, you know, trying to – I mean, he was, was trying to fill it up. I mean – I mean, look, they were up big. This is this is what you do when you're up big. He's already having a good night. You let him be. You reward him. That that's that's just the rule. It's like unspoken. Just let him get his shots up and go for it. Uh, they let him get plenty of shots. Yeah, I think he got 24 shots tonight. I think he hit 13 of them. Still a great night. It is what it is. But uh, yeah, great night from Randall. Um, RJ had a masterclass game. He was dominating the game, uh, just because of his intelligent brand of basketball. Uh, very simply put, he had a couple of blocks. Blocked the shit out of uh, out of Westbrook. Sorry, Oladipo. I said almost out of habit, you know, from all the bullying that he's done to him over the years and his very short career. Um, but yeah, bl- block Westbrook, which was just a, a beautiful thing to see. Um, yeah, I mean, the passing was really good. I think he had five assists pretty quickly in this one too. Um, there was that little uh, sort of no look or look away that he threw to Burks in the corner. Um, he, he hit Reggie, I think, like two or three times for threes, you know, a couple of lasers, uh, past the tra- in transition even. That's something he's been doing more lately. So I thought he had a really good game. Uh, the defense was great once again, as it's been all year. Um, the offense was, you know, a, a good second option for Julius Randle once again. And, uh, yeah, th- those two really helped tonight. And uh, Mitch looked good. Mitch looked like Mitch. I think I hope he's ready to start again. It's time. Yeah, Randall, I mean, Randall, Noel did a great job as a sub, but tonight was just a reminder that Mitch is, Mitch is and should be the starter moving forward because it's just a different dynamic out there. But Eli, something I noticed from RJ, I want to see if you noticed it too, that it seemed like he knew Randall was in the zone right away. And instead of forcing his own offense, he kind of set up Randall and others, but mostly Randy kind of just let Randall do his thing. How do you feel about them as a duo right now? Because it kind of feels like they're just evolving to that point where they're kind of like on the same wavelength 24 seven. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of shocking to say it after everything that happened last year and how completely like overlapping they looked last year, but they have really found each other's grooves in interesting ways. And I think that the biggest way, which Kyle touched upon is just like the passing, like the fact that I know that RJ only ended with five assists, but the fact that he was able to sort of pick apart the defenses so much in that first quarter, just a couple games after Randall put up those 17 assists, like to have two big strong guys who can score at will, but also be that engaged in getting the team kind of organized. Cause it's not like 
like we've always known that RJ can pass and we've always known that Randall can pass, but they are really both doing their part in organizing the offense now. And I think that we've had some issues like with all the point guards that have been out, we've been seeing Tibbs go to point RJ a little bit. And it's interesting that like Mike Breen was talking about how Alec Burks has been the point guard recently, which I don't think is actually true. I think he's been playing RJ at the point with Burks and Bullock on the wing. And there's been some, like, we've seen it. I, I think we've seen, like, against the really good defenses, we've seen it kind of falter and the offense start to sputter. But tonight, you know, going against the Wizard, there was sort of like, you know, being in batting, like being in on deck and having the ring on your bat. And then you come, you take it off and you come up to swing and you've got like, you know, you're like, oh, shit, I can really swing this thing. And so they were just like, they were firing on all cylinders. And, and it's like, I, I didn't even notice that RJ hadn't gotten involved in terms of his own scoring until I think it was Randall who found him for that three. And Mike talked about how that was like his first, his second field goal of the game. I was like, Oh shit. Like he's been all over this game. He's really only scored twice. Like you don't even notice cause it's so natural at this point, which is funny. Cause he was, he was a guy we had all like when he was coming into the league, everyone talked about how he forced things too much. And I think that, you know, when he gets excited, he can force things a little bit, but, over the last few months, especially, we've seen him slow down and his processing speed up to a point where he is about as dangerous as like, you know, any non-star initiator forward with the ball in his hand. Like he can really, he can get to the bucket anytime he wants. He's still working on getting a pull-up. Like the pull-up is still a little bit ugly at times, but I, I think that the, the way that he and Randall have found ways to mesh, and obviously it helps that both are shooting 40 plus percent from three. Like, I don't know if that's sustainable, but like th they have really become one of the most interesting and unlikely like buddy cop pairings in the league. I think the more encouraging thing is that they're doing this with not really great spacing. Reggie Bullock's to his credit has been a little better shooting the basketball, but like tonight elf was back and I thought the offense would crater and it didn't. And <laughs> I wasn't feeling great after elf started one of three and just was taking on three defenders, but I digress. I, it's just really impressive that I don't think as long as Randall and RJ are good, this team is just okay. Like if Randall and RJ struggle, it's bad news. So Kyle, what else, what did you think about quickly returning to the second unit? Did you were you in favor of that? Did you how did you feel about that? Because Elf kind of didn't have to do what Mitch did. Mitch was kind of relegated to the second unit. I know it was a lengthier absence, but looked like Elf had a upperclassman bias. I don't know what that was. I mean, I obviously am always gonna be on this podcast whining and complaining that Emmanuel quickly should be the starter until he is because it just makes the absolute most sense with Julius Randle and uh, RJ Barrett as we know as a lot of the data shows but again I digress I, I understood and you know Tibbs is is he likes his lineups the way that they were that's just the way that it is something that we have to sadly accept until the uh, trade is made or or whatever the season ends because it just seems like elf was going to start no matter what uh, as we joked on one of the last pods like he you know once we saw derrick rose like not not be able to overtake elford for the minutes then it was kind of a wrap from there um so i, I mean i'm fine i'm fine with it i was especially fine with it because mitch was coming off the bench um so to me that's like a you know no matter which way you slice it that's like kind of another starting group as far as i'm concerned so I thought that was fine. Good balance tonight. Um, but, you know, at least with the guys working their way back, I, I didn't really mind all that much. Um, and I think what well, didn't quick have some foul trouble in the beginning. I think he had three early too. So, yeah. I mean, he, he got a couple of good looks off, a couple of good shots off. Obviously I'd be remiss if we didn't mention, you know, him uh, frying uh, Neto, sending him, <laughs> you know, to the, to the parking lot. What, what a loser. I'm I mean, pretty sure he got sent uptown. Yeah, pa packed his ankle up nicely. I mean, Jesus Christ. And I, you know, it, it's real nice. It's been the first time since JR, really, but, you know, JR and Mello, but um, I, for a guard, JR. But really, I mean, when's the last time we've had a, a point guard who, like, when he makes a move like that, you know, even I'm going to myself, oh, no, that's going in. Like, I, I mean, of course it is. Yeah. 
Like you just feel it. Like a, he's he's gonna make this one. Uh, I mean, it's been a while, right? Yeah, I haven't let out ooh in a while in regard to a Nick point guard. Yeah, so I mean, seeing that as soon as I saw it, I was like, ah, okay, he's all set. As soon as I saw him make sure he was behind the three point line, I was like, okay, he's got it. He's we're good. Um, so that was enjoyable. Um, so I, I mean, it is what it is. It wasn't an overall great game or anything, but you know, that's where he's done most of the year. As long as he's going to continue to be in that like kind of uh, super six man role where he's playing, you know, hopefully 20 ish, 25 minutes a night. I, I won't complain too much as long as he's not getting buried where it's like 12 minutes, like it was for a little bit. Uh, that's when I'll start to complain. But tonight I thought it was fun. I did enjoy Tom Thibodeau's, uh, I think it was, it was in the first, I think it was the first quarter where he just challenged a completely useless no one's no all foul, not because it needed to be challenged. He was just so fed up. And I think it was Courtney Kirkland that was refing tonight, who was also the ref for that egregious call at the end of the Sixers game where Randall did make contact with Tobias Harris's back. But I mean, everyone knows you don't call that foul there and it did cost the Knicks the game. So Thibodeau did have beef. And I feel like after that challenge, it was a throbbing. I don't know if – I can't remember the timing specifically, but I felt like the game was over after that, shortly after that. Like, Randall just exploded and the game just got out of hand. So, I did enjoy that. But Obi Toppin, guys, five games now, donuts. He almost has a baker's dozen of just straight donuts. I think it's time to just make that switch and – just I don't know. I don't know what to do. What I, Eli? What would you? What do we do with Obi? This is getting rough. I mean, in a way, it's like it's tragic that this isn't a normal season where you can just kind of send him down to the G League because that's what really what he needs. He needs to just like get some run and get some freedom to like spread his pterodactyl wings. But right now, I think those minutes should be knocked. Like if they're gonna play someone to just like go to the corners, shoot spot ups and like relocate a little bit like that's Knox's game that's not Obi's game and like granted other than being a pick and roll guy we don't really know what Obi's game is because like I see people talking about like they want him to post up but like we've seen him try to post up guards and he just he, his center gravity is too high he can't get low enough to like actually do any damage there he, they just always push him off the spot so he, I don't think he can post up especially against bigs and if you're playing on a team that only has centers who can roll to the rim. Like they don't have any stretch centers unless they're playing with Taj. So it's not like he can get a lot of reps doing that. So I, yeah, I, I mean, I really think like Knox had shown just as much as OB, if not like a decent amount more in the minutes that he got. And it's, it's worth pointing out is younger than OB. So I, I don't know. That's I feel crazy. Like, I can't believe I completely forgot about that. I mean, the crazy part is Frank is younger than OB. Like, Frank is the longest tenured Nick and he's younger than their rookie. So I don't know, man. Like I, I, I feel like it's just, it, those minutes have to go to Knox if you're going to use him in that way, or if you're going to get creative, use Obi. but I don't know. It's just, it's ugly to watch. He's got no confidence right now. That air ball was just sad. It just, it hurt to watch. Like it's to the point where, and like you guys know that I've been kind of low on him since they got him, but like, I genuinely, I'm like rooting for him, not even because I want him to succeed, but just because it hurts to see him fail so often. And yeah. it's like, like he's where he's at right now is like more lost looking than Frank or Knox ever looked. And that is just truly terrifying. Uh, okay. Okay. I, I don't know about that. He's definitely looked at least as lost as those guys. There's been some games where those two have been absolutely clueless. So I, I don't want to say like with, with well with with that let's let's be honest with how historically bad at times things have gotten during their their larger I don't know, man. Like, at least Frank looked like he knew what was going on on one side of the floor that's all uh, I'm gonna say it's not not sometimes oh that's <laughs> but but I digress my point is he's been really really bad and it makes me sad also but it's it's just I, I don't know what anybody's doing to resolve the situation because it's not like he's doing anything with his play to earn more time and at the same time they're not helping him with uh you know again just choosing to not do any of the things that he would generally be good at on offense um to your point about I'm the posting lot. i i agree because uh he, he's weak man he's weak as hell uh, we've seen that he's not able to get where he wants to get because he's not strong enough to do that because he can't you know you know, get low on guys and, and push and get, uh, get position. So 
it it stinks uh really to see that he he's been so ineffective uh, it stinks to see like the air balls the missed dunks um just stuff that y- you would hope he'd be able to do and he hasn't really been able to do this stuff consistently and it looks like he doesn't have confidence because if a dunker's missing dunks and and things like that and, and these bunnies uh, you know it, it's bad he's down bad man um so i hope look i hope it gets better for him i'm always going to be a fan of the g league i will always propose it when rookies aren't getting a lot of time um it, we've said this on this podcast for a long time whether it's you know been frank or Knox or you know mitch at first when we thought he might not get a lot of run like there's no reason they can't use it like the minor league system like they initially did. They used to do it with Dotson all the time. Dotson would go, and then he'd come right back, and he'd always be available for the games. It, it was like he wasn't even missing, and he was just getting his run in. I have no idea why they don't do it anymore. I have no idea what the issue is. I, I don't know what the complication is, but they should be doing this. Oh, we should be going and getting his run in the G League and coming back up. We've even seen guys like Kevin Porter Jr. go down, spend a brief amount of time. It helps them tremendously. You never know. You never know how much it might help just to get a brief little stint. There's no reason they can't. They have a very good system down there that they've been running. It's one of the strengths of this franchise. I I think we would all agree Um, at least the last, you know, six, seven years that they've done a really good job with it. And the talent that comes from it generally, it's just that I feel like the way that they interact with it these days isn't as effective as it used to be. But I I think Obi needs something to get his confidence back up at this point. Yeah, and I mean, one thing that I think is interesting is, you know, the thing that has stood out with Obi since the beginning is his passing game, which is genuinely, like, pretty good. Like, it, it's not great, but, I mean, he's a rookie, so no one expected him to come in and be, you know, a point forward, but it is pretty good. Uh, but there's there's two problems, one of which is that he's not being put in positions to make reads and when he does get the ball he doesn't seem that interested in trying to make the reads he seems trying to like he's trying to get the ball out of his hand as quickly as possible and the other thing which is something we've talked about with frank a decent amount too is that if your only skill and i'm not saying that this is ob the only skill going forward but right now if your only skill is being a pretty good passer like that shit ain't gonna cut it like you have so they they've got to figure out ways where he can have more to contribute than just being like an okay passer. Like he had that one nice little like dump off to Mitch when he tried to back down Russell Westbrook in the beginning, but like you can't just be an okay passer. And like, and like we, like I said before, like at least Frank had some defense that he could fall back on. So they, they've got to find some secondary source of value for Obi when he's out there. Cause right now it's just, he's just running around like a chicken with his head cut off. And it doesn't seem like, like, I don't know, maybe like an off season with, Kenny Payne, like knock on wood, he's still there this summer is going to help. But like, he just, and that's, that's what I mean when he seems lost. Like there just seems like there's no avenues for him right now to find any way to contribute on the floor. And that, that's what they really need to get from him. I think just one thunderous dunk might do the trick for him because he's been asking for a lob for, I don't know, months though now, and no one seems to find him. And he had that, gaff against the spurs where he came up short he just looks completely out of whack and maybe it's just he just needs to dunk on somebody to get his mojo going or maybe i think he just needs a year to just hone in on skills and hopefully kenny Payne doesn't leave for depaul if that's what eli was alluding to depaul is apparently zeroing in on kenny Payne, which would be kind of a blow because i really like the way this coaching staff has gotten the most out of this roster but that's another conversation but obi man rooting for you you just gotta figure it out last thing i'm gonna say on obi though maybe i'm hoping it might be as simple as derrick rose just needs to come back he did string together some better performances when those two were playing together it's been a while because the all-star break derrick rose hasn't been playing but i i want to go back and check but I, i believe that's at least when he would look like a somewhat normal bench basketball player while he was playing it's just since then i think everything's kind of fallen off a cliff so hopefully maybe derrick rose helps and that's the start of something but we'll see he's cleared now he just got to be able to play he was unavailable tonight but he's cleared now so you know should should be against uh you know the next game against washington we get him back yeah hopefully but um rose might be back but 
Some others may or may not be because Thursday is deadline day. The Knicks are rumored with a lot of people, surprisingly, in the last couple of days. Thankfully, well, the thankfully the Andre Drummond rumors seem to have died down. But Lonzo Ball's name is starting to percolate, as is Victor Oladipo's. And then there's other names not linked to the Knicks, but worth interest. Norman Powell, Malcolm Brogdon, which Brogdon is – that's a surprising name for me. Because that just tells me the Pacers are probably willing to just blow it up at this point. Because – It's hilarious to me. Sabonis – I, was I wrong that I saw Sabonis could be – not – right now but possibly in the summer they just said down the road was that's pretty crazy i don't know what changed overnight for them so they're shopping everybody is was what i'm gathering because the knicks were interested potentially in miles turner right that was a rumor that we had discussed that came up um and then all of a sudden brogdon's available two years left on his deal he's a top what 30 ish 40-ish player, right? Pretty comfortably in there, um, I would say. Hopefully you guys agree, and I'm you know, I'm not too off. But um, Sabonis is an all-star. Um, I, I'm very confused because it feels like most teams would kill to have some, some kind of a sustainable situation like that. I mean, they're pretty much just a, a, another high-level wing away from, like, probably being an actual contender. But at worst, you have, like, a – pretty perpetual playoff team and uh they're not very old so i'm just i'm confused why they're in like full blown full blown blow it up mode right now or maybe heading that way uh this isn't a pacers podcast i don't want to bore on this conversation but that's confusing to me and i would love to get in on it but yeah it's totally weird especially considering they have a medium high level wing in tj warren who's just hurt and they just got their other like high-ish level wing and Karis Levert back, like they don't want to see what they've got a little bit before they blow it up. Uh, weird, it's right? Real confusing. Really weird. It's really weird. Like I, they got a new head coach. Like it's it's very strange to me, right? I, I just feel like that's that's like what you'd be building to. All right, guys, we this is a lot of good players. Let's see what happens for a couple of years. Like I thought that's that that's generally the plan. Uh, it seems like a strange time to give up when everybody's sort of peaking. I, I'm I'm confused, but I would look. I would love Malcolm Brogdon. You could throw him my way. Um, I don't know what it's gonna take. I threw. I, I'm gonna make everybody who's listening to this podcast angry because you guys are always angry when any good young players on this team are included in a trade. But I thought it was a good hypothetical for you guys to think on. So I said, what if we that we're already rumored to be in on Turner? Suddenly, suddenly now, Brogdon might be available. So I was like, let's get nuts, right? All right, Obi, the, Obi doesn't look good. All right, we're going to try to package him in a trade while he's still got some high lottery pick allure to him. And then you're going to need something that's more of a sure thing. You, okay, well, if you get Miles Turner in this deal, Mitch becomes pretty expendable. So you throw Mitch back over to Indy, you know, let them pay, you know, let's see what that's about. So now you give the Mitch and Obi, and then, all right, you give him Knox, Frank, couple of picks, you know, thereabouts. You guys can argue which picks and the protections, but I think you do something like that. You get a couple years of Brogdon to show up the point guard position next to RJ, next to Randall. You still get a guy that's going to be a top shot blocker and defensive presence, you know, by the rim and Miles Turner. But now he can shoot, you know, actually shoot. So a a different fit. He's not going to be as much of a lab threat, but I was like – Hey, if we were interested in one of them and another one of them is available, you might as well see if you can get a little bit of a package deal, I would think. You know, Leon should start trying to get creative. You guys hate that? It's a fair price. I'll say that. But do you hate it? Mm, Yeah, but I know I'm being stupid about it. If that makes if that makes sense, like it's a good trade that the Knicks should do. My thing is, how much are you paying Miles Turner? I'm assuming isn't Miles Turner a free agent to be? Isn't that why he is more available than anything else? Is Brogdon signed? I think through I 2023. Think Turner's still got an extension going, but I don't. I'm not sure. Does Brogdon? You're paying. I'm looking at his stat, his salary right now. You're paying him 21.7 next year, and then 22.6. 
after the year after that, and then he's unrestricted free agent. So him, I yeah, guess Tur- I Turner's got two more years on his deal at seventeen five both years. Then I, I just I take that too. I, I think that's because the way you look at it too was you, you're going to have to pay Mitch right no matter what you're either going to have right. to pay him you're going to have to pay him something somehow you I don't think you want to let him walk you know so if you're not doing that then you're going to move him so if you're going to move him then it makes sense to get a guy of similar value you know where defensively and then he's he's not on a bad contract you you're already not paying anybody so that fits right in that's not going to kill you whatsoever. You know, your books are still pretty clear. That doesn't kill you for a Julius Randle extension. You know what I mean? Neither does the Brogdon thing. And I think you could still sign somebody this summer if you needed to, uh, like a, a big enough deal, I'm saying, if they got lucky. Um, yeah, so it's like I, I think something like that would be kind of like an, an interesting swing. Look, we got to turn some of this roster over, and it can't always be like one dude at the very end of the bench. You know, like it's okay to like, all right, we know that there's a good amount of, of really good pieces on this team that are helping, you know, play winning basketball every night. You know, Randall, RJ, you know, um, you know, Mitchell Robinson, obviously, you know, quickly, you know, that's, those are guys that you would generally want to build around, but if you got to give one guy up in a deal like that, I think it would just be the rim protector. Cause that's a little bit easier to try to replicate. Noel's done a respectable job. Turner's a decent enough guy, but, um, I don't know. Again, it's tough. I know we never like talking about trading the young guys. I understand why everybody can get angry about that, but you know, this, the, it, I think that that would be a pretty good move that really makes the, the Knicks a really interesting team. I think that makes them a really strong starting five. All right. Here's my one question though, because I, I think that it's a good framework for a deal, but if we just ignore the Knox and Frank and Obi of it all, then we're basically the Pacers are giving up like two good to quite good players for Mitch and two picks. picks. So maybe, maybe that, maybe that is enough. I, I just like, I, I wonder that if they wouldn't want one more like genuinely good player. So like, okay. So let's say they counter and they say IQ instead of one of those like Frank or Knox because I feel like that is where it starts to become like a little bit more like that's tough realistic, right? Where like the Pacers are the Pacers are going to want at least two bankable guys. I think like, I'm not sure how much they're going to want to be like, okay, we're going to be the ones that invest in putting OB next to Demonte Sabonis, you know? Well, first of all, my counter. I have two counters here because you first one is you already know what I'm going to say. I, I would focus less on the player component there, and then my counter to them saying quickly would be like. Hold on, let's not get crazy now, guys. You know I'm not going <laughs> to do that. However, I'll give you another draft pick if you really want. I'll do two. I'll you know heavily protect one or two, and then I'll just give you a third one in there and go. All right, can we can we call this a night now? Like, can we just get on with this? And then I would go about my day having two really good starters, and you know, all my draft picks basically going forward. It'd be nuts, but I, you know, at three is a lot. I don't know. Now that I say it out loud, three is a lot. But I think that's like if you were really trying to take a big swing, if you thought you can get somebody in the summer type of a, a thing after you did something like that, I think you can go for it. It's not that crazy. It's definitely fascinating and would make them a really well-rounded team, both like I think offensively and defensively they would be a menace. So it's worth thinking about for sure. Now – what do we think they realistically do? Because I know Norman Powell is another name that comes up a lot. Um, I've seen, you know, Philly's supposedly interested in him, but is is that somebody we think the Knicks could realistically be trying to take a swing at uh, aside from the Lonzo situation? I see more of a free agency move for him. I don't know why. I think the Raptors are going to want a lot because Powell's averaging close to 20 a game. He's exactly what the Knicks need, though, that you put him where Reggie is and move Reggie to the bench, and you have a really good 10-man rotation going. But Masai is Masai, and (laughs) I'm sure Dolan's already petrified of getting into any deals with him. So I really don't see them interacting with Toronto. But um, another name I forgot to mention, though, and we'll get back to your question, but Devontae Graham's another name to keep on your radar. Is he going to be on the move now, though? 
saw them connected to him. Well, that's, I, I mean, mean that now with LaMelo out, that's the really interesting question because they didn't have any room for him in the rotation. He was their backup point guard. But I mean, now I guess my guess would be that they hold, <clears throat> that they hold on to him until like his restricted free agency. And then if anything, try to do like a sign and trade this summer. What if I gave you Alfred Payton? Ooh, okay. Well, now you're speaking my language. <laughs> no, no, I, look, I we we said it in the Slack a few times. I would love to get Devontae Graham. I thought he he would be a really great target for them to get a, a good value you get. But I don't know what they're going to now. But you know, the Hornets are still kind of right there in terms of the playoff race. So you know, even with Lamelo going down, I'm sure they still kind of want to go for it to close the year out and see what happens. And it's not like Graham and Rosier were bad last year. So, you know, Graham's kind of had a disappointing year shooting, I think, but um, Rosier has been nuts. So if he could just start to kind of get it together to close the year out, I'm sure that's all they're kind of hoping for at least. So I don't think he's going to really be there now. Kind of bums me out, but it is what it is. I think I guess we just got to hope for this Lonzo trade, right fellas? Yeah, that's what I'm I'm very excited about this. I want to get your guys' take on it because I mean, you know how I feel about Lonzo. I think he would fit everything Thibodeau wants to do while also being exactly what Randall and RJ need right now, which is hopefully a better shooter than Alfred Payton, who's not gonna at least clog the lane. And they kind of have to make a move now because clearly other people are involved. You want to keep his restricted free agent rights just so you're in, you have hand against other teams. Obviously, Lonzo likes or is allegedly liking New York. So I feel like we're trending towards that anyway. The question is, how much are the Pelicans going to charge? I saw one bullshit deal from the Bulls. I don't know if, how true that was, but it was like Picks and Thomas Sedaransky. If that's the case, this might be easier than I thought, but I have a feeling that price is going to go up a little bit. But how do you guys feel about what? Let me start with this. What? How far would you go to get Lonzo before he hits restricted free agency? I just I I don't see it. I really don't. I think I feel like the Pelicans. Everything that they've done has shown that they still want to be competitive, and I think that it, it's really hard to justify from their perspective giving up on Lonzo again. Like I talked about this last week, but he's he's a genuinely very good fit with Zion and a good fit with Ingram as well. Um, it, it just seems really difficult for the Knicks to pile, like compile an offer that doesn't gut them because he's not a star player worth gutting your team for. And it's still compelling enough for New Orleans to get rid of a guy who has had a really good season. And so like, Yes, I mean, I would give up anyone on the team not named RJ, Mitch, Quickly, or Randall. But I don't see what is in it for New Orleans unless you're just throwing like a just a shit ton of picks at them. Unless, unless. Eli, unless the Knicks were to take back Eric Bledsoe in his contract and then things get interesting. Aha. Aha, the plot thickens. So if the Knicks were to do that, hypothetically, and then facilitate a deal to get him somewhere else, the Knicks could then have the best of both worlds. They could soften the blow to take on Alonzo, or at least so it's not going to kill them right ahead of restricted free agency. And then simultaneously, they could be effectively using their cap space to try to turn it around for maybe another asset of some sort or try to recoup something there. If they could be, or if it's just simply dumping it and it makes the price cheaper for them from New Orleans. So something thereabouts. I don't know that they will, but we can resume this conversation after the break. We'll talk to you guys there. And we're back. So the reason I brought up the Eric Bledsoe thing on the other side of the pod was because it's interesting with the Knicks being under the, the cat floor here. Is it even something that you guys would consider to take him on in Alonzo deal, even if you had to hold him briefly? Or is that a deal breaker then for you and having to take Alonzo on? Cause then you got to pay Alonzo after this. Um, I would sort of think that's a deal breaker for me if I couldn't move him personally, because, you know, I'm trying to make moves and I got to pay Alonzo in that situation. And I feel like that's going to kind of 
put a damp on things and I'm not going to really, I don't like that. I think they got to find a third team and get it over with. Well, how much does taking on blood so lower the cost is my question. Like if I can, if I take on blood son, I could give away everyone's favorite package of Knox Frank and picks. I'm at least thinking about it. It's only what it's one more full year. And then he has a partial guarantee this next year after. Yeah. He I, makes, he makes 17 this year. Then he makes 18 next year. Yeah. I mean, ideally you want the third team and to, honestly, the Cavs we've, we've hooked the Cavs off Cavs up with Shump and JR. I think it's time for them to pay us back by now. They can fit Eric blood. So they're not doing anything, but yeah, I think, I, I think I would do it if it, lowered the cost like i would send out both mass picks that's another thing we have to come to terms with luka Doncic is a star those picks are going to be in the 20s more likely than not this year and in 2023 so i think we could try and package those picks and alonzo offer and then if bledsoe if taking on bledsoe makes it an even cheaper package where you can keep any player that you like and you just ship off all the misfits i'd do it we have Alfred Payton right now. Like we are at rock bottom on the point guard totem pole. Yeah, I mean, I'm. I would love to do that. I'm. I feel like my job here is to be like the resident Debbie Downer. I just I don't see getting rid of Lonzo and not getting back like a surefire starter in return. You know, like someone who can fit alongside that core because like they're not they're not tearing down. They're just like trying to figure out how to retool because of their weird and sort of disastrous summer that Griffin just put them through. So I think that taking on Bledsoe will definitely lower the cost, but I don't think it's going to lower the cost to the point where they're just taking like a, you know, a poo-poo platter of mediocre players and a couple picks in the twenties, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I kind of agree with that. I, I just don't, feel like the trade thing's going to work out uh, for Lonzo. I think if they're trying to find a third team, I'm interested to see what that f- framework allegedly would look like. Um, I think that has, you know, the grounds at least to be a pretty creative sounding deal. I'd be interested to see what they were planning there, but um, I, I don't know. Aside from that, I think a trade for Lonzo is generally going to be kind of complicated because, yeah, you're trying to do that to get his bird rights because you're going to try to sign him. It's basically his free agency happening now to some degree. So um, it, it's tough. I would just try to wait, though. If I'm already going to be bidding, if you're already going to be in, interested in a restricted free agent, I feel like you're already then in the business of trying to overpay that guy. You know what I mean? So. I don't really think I would be fearful of like, oh no, what's going to happen this summer? I'm going to have to pay more money than I thought I was already going to do that. Like, even if you have his bird rights, you're then doing that because you already know that you're going to have to match and then overpay. Right. So still just throw a bunch of money and see what happens. You know, I mean, maybe you can't match, but maybe you could force their hand. I think that's the easiest route here. They have no leverage. We talked about this on the last pod. They're not going to pay all those guys. You know that. Yeah, I just want to see. I hope they make an offer just to weed out who their competition is in the summer because I I don't think New Orleans is going to go past a certain point with Lonzo. So it's more about just seeing what other teams you're going to be competing against in the summer. And if you think you're going to have stiff competition, you might want to have that ability to match. But if you feel like you're one of the only two people in the race for him and he favors you, I think you try your chances in free agency. I think it's pretty simple with him. Another person who's expected at free agency this time unrestricted, Victor Oladipo. So Kyle, I want to kick it to you because apparently the Oladipo interest is not one-sided. Yeah. So we, we've kind of known that the Knicks have been poking around on Oladipo at the very least. We also know the worst kept secret in the NBA is that he's wanted to go to the Miami Heat. It seems like the Heat have wanted him as well uh, for quite some time. So it, it makes, you know, no no surprise here that uh, in a report today, I think it was Woj uh, said, you know, Oladipo, 
you know, who can become a free agent this summer has a longer term interest in joining the heat, which is a well, which is well known around the league sources said Miami has the cap space to sign Oladipo as a free agent, which has inspired their reluctance on their part to make a premium offer to the Rockets for a trade. Uh, and then right after that, it says Oladipo has a mutual interest in the New York Knicks too, sources said, and the Knicks also armed with cap space have also been reluctant to make an aggressive trade offer. So it seems like, you know, this report was very blatantly put it out. There's something we've already seen from various other reports, you know, that once again, these are the two teams that want him. Uh, it, I'm at least, I don't think I want them to pay Depot at this point, but I am at least encouraged that they're like, well, if we're getting them, we're not, we're not trading for him. Like, we're just going to throw some some money at him and see what happens. And I think that's, at least for this one, where he doesn't really look like himself yet. I know he's actually been playing better lately, but um, he's having a, a strangish year. Uh, he's still not quite himself. And I know he's still a good, a very good defender, um, but he still kind of gives me pause now. I think he's 29, um, so we're kind of getting to the danger zone here too. So he's a guy I've always liked. I'd love to be wrong, and then he just ends up getting signed here and then being very good. But I'm at least happy that they're not going to try to do anything weird and overly aggressive right now, at least uh, on this particular trade. Yeah. I mean, it's about what you want to see, right? That they're, they're doing their work. They're looking into it. There's at least some tangible interest coming back the other way from a guy who is not far removed from being a star. Like, I think that's a fair way to put it like, and could get back to that eventually, but also, you know, might be sort of facing the downward trajectory of his career and that they're not going to rush into something like this. This is basically like 101 for a team that is like pretty good, but self-aware that they're not where they need to be in order to like move, make a move that has this kind of like risk in terms of, you know, giving up massive assets and then also having to give a massive contract in like two months. So I, I feel like regardless of what happens with Oladipo, it's at least an encouraging sign that Rose and Perry are kind of approaching this deadline from just like a normal functional standpoint, which as we know with, with the Knicks, that's always not something to be taken for granted. Well, I think if Perry was running the show, I think the Knicks would be much more aggressive. I really don't think... Perry has much power anymore. I really think it's Wesley and Rose and mainly Wesley who has the same Brock Aller as well. But I don't know. This asking price is kind of crazy. They want a quality first round pick and a good young player. I mean, they want the stuff that you give up for a star. And for all the reasons you guys mentioned, I would not pay that right now. I just wouldn't. And if he wants to go to Miami, God bless him. I do not want to be on the hook for three more years after he turns 30. I just don't. Yeah. I just, I hate being that guy. Cause I, I've gotten on this podcast multiple times in the time that we've been doing this for a couple different deals where I've been like, we got to go after all the depot, man. I'm telling you, that's the guy. That's the guy. Like back when he was on the magic, I was like, that's the guy we got to get all the depot. Then even after that, when he was at OKC and we were doing the mellow deal, I was like, he's the guy we got to get in the mellow deal. I'm telling you, we got to get all the depot back. So I've been rooting for him for a while. And then like, I just, I'm so I've, I've kind of only recently fallen off the wagon there. I've kind of been steadfast in my belief for him, but I've been watching him as much as I can lately. And it's just, I'm not sold again yet. I don't know what it is. He just looks off to me still. So I, it wouldn't shock me that he can come back, but I'm, I'm just not, I'm just not feeling it right now. If there's one thing we did learn this year or have or are continuing to learn is the Knicks can afford to be patient with getting that last part of that big three with Randall and RJ. I think you could do a lot better than Oladipo and nothing against Oladipo, but I'm, I don't know. Just seeing RJ son him so many times in such few instances, I just can't ever see a hierarchy where Oladipo is – the super, RJ superior, you know what I mean? So could, could never be. Yeah, it it's just never. it would just be weird. It would, it would be RJ's wingman. He, he's coming here to be his assistant, his coworker. 
the the staff supervisor to RJ's manager, you know, I mean, uh, it would be a very clear delineate, you know, a very clear totem pole here. Yeah, because if he ever tries to talk to him, I'll just be like, dude, I gave you 30 points in my sleep. Shut up. So I, I don't know. That's that's just me being stupid. But the Knicks aren't just buyers, guys. They are also or could be selling, even if no deals required. Austin Rivers hasn't played in a very long time due to personal reasons and just genuinely falling out of the rotation, mostly due to being ineffective against any team that's not named the Utah Jazz. But uh, according to ESPN, Zach Lowe, he said the Knicks could buy him out if he's not included in a deal. So, A, do you think they could even include him in a deal? Or, and B, have we seen the last of Rivers as a Nick? I'd say probably. I think that, like, given, like, he, I mean, he's been pretty awful. He had two very good games against the Jazz this year and has been awful otherwise. But, I mean, he's got a track record as being someone who can at least, you know, show up in, you know, in some big moments. And I, I feel like a team, like, I look at the Clippers right now and like they, they could use some extra ball handling. And if, and because of how team friendly his deal is with its two non-guaranteed years, like, I think that's going to be an attractive asset to a playoff team that can either keep him at a really low price or flip him or just cut him at really no cost to them. So like if the Clippers want to give up like a second round pick or something, or like they just gave up, you know, they, they just, opened up a roster spot, right? So they could just give a second round pick. Now I'm assuming that they have their sights set on someone a little higher than Austin Rivers, but you know, that kind of deal, I I think that there will be teams that will be willing to talk themselves into the Austin Rivers of like three or four years ago, say. Well, you're not off because the Bucks are the team that's allegedly interested if Rivers is bought out. So obviously they don't think he's good enough to trade for may not think he's good enough to trade for, but certainly good enough to take a flyer on. I think, I think maybe they can get a second rounder for him. He feels like the kind of guy that you could get a second rounder for, but um, I would understand based off his play this season, why that might not be the case anymore. Um, But I thought he had a good enough track record with, you know, his time with, the Clippers with the Rockets where he, he looked like a good enough player on both sides of the ball consistently and that he might get a little bit of a pass for uh, the non-Jazz games this year. But uh, it appears that I'm wrong if we're ready to the buyout report phase. So uh, it, it is what it is then. Um, you know, I wanted that to work out a little bit better or at least get an asset out of it. But, you know, not everything can go right. Uh, this season so I, it is what it is if they if they buy him out at least that's them doing right by him that's another uh, us with the players you know win it looks like we're taking care of guys if it's not working out even when we're having a good year type thing so well, what else can we really say about it at this point I re- he really fooled me I was ready to run through a brick wall he's, for him he was, after he's that Hooper's forward. video he's, I he's still good, like him he's but, a good dude he's a good yeah, dude, yeah. good personality yeah, it's it sucks. And I'm surprised if you would have asked me before the season who would be like a bio candidate, I would have bet the bank on Elf or even Reggie. And I feel like those two are just very solidly going to stay. And someone like Rivers, who I thought would be like a cult hero and like spark plug off the bench, he's the odd man out. So just funny how that works. But um, before we get out of here, I just wanted to get a couple predictions from you guys. So we have two days left. I'm sure the rumors will kick up, as they always do. Twitter will be unbearable, especially late Wednesday to early Thursday. But, Kyle, I'll start with you. Do the Knicks make a deal, and is it big or small? I think they make a deal. I think they make – I think they're going to be smaller deals, but I think there's going to be multiple. I think they're going to get active for once. I don't think this is the time they want to sit pat. So I'm going to be semi-bold and say there's going to be like two things that they do. What about you, Eli? Yeah, I think think they're going to make one very small deal, whether it's to buy out Rivers or like at most, I could see 
something with Rivers and then one of Burks or Bullock being traded. They have been the guys all year who've seemed like the most likely for a playoff team to come looking at. But just given how kind of integral both of them have proven themselves to be in Tibbs' rotation, I really don't – I'm worried that they're, they're going to seem too important to let go of, which I think would be a mistake considering they're both on one-year deals. They're both about, I think, either 30 or about to be 30. But I think that I think that this is going to be a situation where the win now overrides the long term. And I'm hoping I'm wrong. I'm hoping one of them gets moved for, like, you know, maybe like a, a younger player or a kind of like a, cr- a cross grade, but with like a second round pick or something like that. But if I'm, if I'm a betting man, I'd say Austin Rivers maybe either bought out or traded for a second, and that's going to be it. I'll get a little creative. I have a feeling LeVar Ball is going to say something, and the Knicks are going to be the beneficiaries of that. So I'll just leave it at that. But uh, Eli, one name I did want to – See pop up in Knicks rumors, former Kentucky man, current Charlotte Hornet, Malik Monk. I'd love to add him. If they want to keep Graham, give me Monk, baby. You know what? Fuck it. I'm sold. He's been good. Let's do it. Why not? We still I do I they really do need to add a score on the bench, whether it's through the trade deadline or the buyout market, because this team really is they go as far as RJ and Randall take them. And every night, that's just not fair to them. Like we've been getting lucky with RJ playing really well against guys like Ben Simmons and Randall, just being able to score night in and night out 20 plus. They need some help though, especially to get over the finish line is because tired legs are going to show up late in the season at this point. If they keep yep. playing 37 minutes a game. Yeah. They need another microwave scorer, And you know, Monk has been a pretty good passer this year too. Like he he's rounding his game out nicer than I expected him to. So I would be fully on board with that. Now, uh, my last couple things for you guys. Um, is Frank Nielakina going to live through another trade deadline? You're goddamn right he is. He's untouchable. He's as bulletproof as Elf is. If only because no one else is trying to touch him. But, but regardless, I think he makes it. Do we think... Kevin Knox, who we know that they've <laughs> they've shopped at least the last two years, uh, w- with the way and the timing that those reports always seem to drop for him. Does Kevin Knox make it through another trade deadline? He gets moved this time. It's been so like disrespectfully blatant, where they're just like, "Hey, if you want Kevin Knox, he's here. Just you know, you just gotta ask." Like every report was always like the the Knicks are uh, believed to want to offer a draft pick, Kevin Knox, and and then always like insert third player, which is usually whichever fringe free agent guy that they had signed. And by the way, I do not believe that remember in the Anthony Davis saga, not even a saga because it wasn't anything serious, but they didn't want to include Knox in a Davis deal. That was funny. That's such a blatant lie. I hope so, man. Uh, I hope so. And I don't, and, and to be clear too, uh, I don't think it really mattered because I think no matter what happened, the Lakers were always going to have the best deal because they always had the best players in that deal that they could be sending out. Even if you didn't super believe in all those guys, you know, Kuz ended up being pretty good. Now he's a good, he's actually a pretty decent defender these days. Uh, he's cleaned up his offensive game a little bit more. Um, Lonzo's obviously a good player. Like, Ingram is a hell of a player. Like they had a lot that we did not have in volume. And then they had the draft picks too. So like we, we no matter what, we were going to lose that deal. But I, I just still find it funny that like that, when I, when I read the point, I was like, guys, like no way his name came up without Perry like, or Mills mentioning it. Just, there's no way the Pelicans even mentioned him. I, I was like, there's just, it, it just simply couldn't be like I I could I was beside my and the thing at the time was fans were like yeah man that's a lot to give up I was like no what no opposite opposite man that's a steal if we can get Anthony Davis for that it's a steal uh, but yeah it was never it was never gonna happen I don't know I don't think I I think Knox and Frank make it through again I I, I think if they do a trade it's gonna be like like you said I think Rivers is the one that they're trying to get out and then with it whatever 
he frees up. I think they're going to do something small with, with those small deals. You could ever really tell if it's going to be like, they, they trade a second rounder for somebody that, you know, like a Malik monk that they, I don't know if that's his value, but I'm just guessing something like that, where you just take somebody on for that. Uh, not necessarily lose one of these fringe guys, but we'll see. I, I do think that a couple of things are going to happen. I think this is at least going to be a more interesting trade deadline for the Knicks, but that's not saying much because normally they don't really do anything around this time. It's very rare when the Knicks get active. It feels like uh, the when was the last like real trade? Moutier, I think. Probably Moutier. We were like, oh, okay. Well, that that changes things a, a bit. Like, what what else has there really been? The Rose trade, you know. The Porzingis trade. That was probably the number well, one, right? Well, well, let's. I mean, if that's if that's <laughs> what you want, if, if if that's what you want to bring up at the end of this podcast, Eli, then, you know, <laughs> be, be, been, be, be, be my nice guest. Podcast up to this point. <laughs> <laughs> this guy just casually drops the Porzingis. Trade. By the way, Chris Porzingis. Yeah, I thought you were gonna let me get away with skimming that one. Uh, no, <laughs> no, just drag me down by the ankles. I'm just gonna cut that part off. We're just gonna leave off that the uh, Moutier part. Uh, but <laughs> but yeah, I, I love they got active. I'd love to see them get nuts, like like just rip off like two or three trades. Like Austin Rivers gets bought out. Like Frank and Knox get traded. Like just wild, like wild stuff happens. Like I, a bunch think, of- I think the Knox could happen. Like I, I think that he showed enough in the beginning of the season and still has like, it's still close enough to his draft year where you can be like, yeah, you know, I think we can make him into something. I could see it. I'm not saying I expect it, but I could see it. I don't think they'll get a ton for him, but like stranger things have happened. Real quick. Is there any trade or player leaving or coming in that will have you guys disgusted at 401 PM on Thursday or 301? Andre Drummond. Yeah. Same for me. Easily. Yeah. It, it, I honestly think Andre Drummond would be the only one that would make me truly disgusted. I've, I said it in uh, Slack earlier, but I've been like surprisingly pleased with the names that they've been linked to for the most part because they've mostly made sense aside from the Drummond one, which to me was very obviously Andre Drummond's camp repeatedly trying to push the narrative that the Knicks, the Knicks wanted to give him a multi-year deal. Um, that, that, that seems like a, probably the easiest thing that we could have seen through this entire year yeah i think that that's about it like lonzo makes sense right like even fournier i don't love fournier but like i i would understand why they're doing it you know what i mean I, it's not something that i even... i don't know i feel like nick fans have piped up fournier has fournier even been remotely connected i saw him mentioned in the celtics deal and i think the mavs were interested in him if i'm not mistaken just because people want him so much, now I don't want him, which makes little sense. But yeah, I mean, I I I don't think he's he's really bad defensively. Uh, I'm I'm pretty out there. Um, but especially when like RJ isn't always drawing the most difficult guy to guard every night, and a lot you know a lot of times it's like Reggie, for example, right? So it's like if Fournier is playing, well, where is Fournier going to play? He would have to then take Reggie's spot, right? Theoretically. So yeah. then, like, I'm not saying Reggie's like a great defender, but he's been he's been good enough. Like, I, I've been I've been on this this island myself on this podcast. He's been good enough. He he's not a, a maybe a terrific lights out guy or plays the way that Frank does on defense, but he's he's been good enough to hold that spot down. So, and he's hitting threes at a better clip. So it's like, I, I, is the shooting upgrade if you call it that, because he's a slightly better creator worth. I mean, is he suddenly going to be good at defense here? Is it going to be enough for us to cover that up? Maybe. I mean, that's something we could talk about if it happens. But that's the – I don't I don't love it. I, I, could, I could at least understand why they would just be like, okay, well, we need more points. He's averaging 19. He could shoot a bit. Well, we're going to take – you know, roll the dice. I, I would get it, but don't don't love it. If we were rather, closer to playoffs, I, I, would, I would be more open to it. I don't know. I just feel like it's – very I'd minor rather, move up. Yeah, I mean, I'd rather just go. No, I don't know, Norm or something like that. At that point, if you're if you're looking for a guy to like try to fill it up, I would take my chances there. But um, again, it is what it is. I it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, but I'm I'm not into it. Yeah, same. But we we shall see. Thursday is the day. We will be talking to you guys then. But until then, let's enjoy very pleasing 
Tuesday night victory by the New York Knicks. Very pleasing performance by the lucky lefties. Uh, Eli, you got any pieces coming up? Uh, I'm going to be looking at the RJ and IQ point guard experiments while everyone else was out. That should be coming out sometime next week, so keep your eyes out for that. Most definitely. And if you guys haven't read Eli's last piece, it's one burning question for every Nick as we hit the home stretch. Make sure you check that out on the nickswall.com as well as the other great pieces on the website. I have my second draft board coming out next week. Merch is on there. Sean's post-game prayers, which is probably still ongoing right now. They're probably still celebrating over there. But Kyle, anything coming up that the peeps should be looking for? Uh, no, I mean, just stay tuned. Uh, a lot of you guys reached out about a couple of social positions uh, we got open. Uh, just, you know, we did get your messages and emails. It was a lot of you. So give us some time to kind of sift through, but uh, we will get back to you. Um, so just be patient, everybody. Um, aside from that, yeah, just make sure you keep following the next wall. Keep tuned to them with Sean on YouTube, uh, you know. It, it's been a good time over there. He's been getting that up and running for us. So make sure you subscribe to the Knicks wall on YouTube uh, for sure. And uh, yeah, that's about it. Just uh, enjoying being 500 again. It's a good Tuesday night. Yeah. Can't complain. So until Thursday, we'll see you. <laughs>